0: If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Uh, hi, this isn't Captain Kirk, but, uh, I have a question. What does God need with a podcast? Well, he doesn't if he has the inglorious Trexperts. Listen to them.
2: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman from Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a James Bond fan, you want to pick up my new book, Nobody Does It Better, The Complete Uncensored Oral History of James Bond and Spy Mania. It's a hefty tome, and it's available now wherever you purchase books, audiobooks, and digital. Check it out, and I will renew your license to kill personally. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. If you've been enjoying listening to us, imagine how entertaining will be when you are watching us. Now you can watch the 4.30 movie with... Steve Melching, Darren Doctorman Ashley Miller. And me, Mark A. Altman, every day on Electric Now. How do you get Electric Now? You download Distro TV, Stir TV, Zumo TV, and soon the Electric Now app. And You just you have watch. to pick one. You don't have to have all of them. You don't have up. to have all of them, but it helps. And you can watch us on the Electric Now channel. Don't miss us as we bring you the 430 movie in your
1: house in person. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are, if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie.
2: Welcome to the 430 movie. This is I Read Your Book, Your Magnificent Bastard Week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I Read Your Book, You're A Magnificent Bastard? <laughs> I,
2: welcome to the 430 movie. This is I Read Your Book, You Magnificent Bastard Week. And I'm Mark A. Altman. And we Speaking are all magnificent your magnificent bastards.
1: bastards.
2: <laughs> Hello. Welcome to. Good to see you guys. What's happening? Hi. Let's talk about what's happening in the world. No, by the time this airs, no.
1: <laughs> I, I think people listen to this to not think, think about, about what's world. happening in the world. Yeah,
2: they're right. They did. They, they're, yeah, they're in their cars or in their, or their houses or, or in their bunkers. Doing their <laughs> their <laughs> bunkers <right? laughs> they're bunkers. Ordering <laughs> toilet <on and> paper. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. That's right. That's Hiding right. from the coronavirus. So. Eating recycled
0: food for
2: <laughs> <Waiting, laughs> children. Waiting for no time to die to open. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody
3: sitting in a bunker thinking, I'll just come out in April just in time for no time. <gasps> It's oh. funny
2: because, like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, counting like Star Trek The Motion Picture, I would have in my notebook, like, each day would be 10, 9, 8, wow. 7, you know, to, to, to when Star Trek The Motion Picture would open. The problem is, if I had no time to die, I'd have to, like, rip everything out oh. and, and renumber. renumber the whole thing. And
3: um, buy a new calendar. A new calendar. Whole new calendar. <laughs> it's, it's, that's right. It's a Sisyphean task to wait for no time to die. I can't
2: wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I mean, there's so many disappointments, you, you can't, know.
3: You can't get,
1: don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. I can
2: I, I, I Every new Bond movie is an event. Is this going to be
0: uh, This is the last uh, Daniel Craig It's Bond. the last
2: Daniel Craig yeah. Bond movie.
1: Every new Bond film is an extinction-level event Timothy for the They bring back <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> bring back Dalton.
0: Get me Dalton.
2: <laughs> you know, Pierce could still do it. Yeah, He's sure. still looking good. Yeah. So uh, I'd be interested to see who the next Bond is. But we're not here to talk about Bond, although <laughs> Bond is based a on That's a popular true. series of books from Ian Fleming. Uh,
0: yeah, Man, I, I I read all of them, as yeah. mm-hmm. I'm sure most of us or all of us did. Do we read all the Bond, the oh, Ian Fleming books? I read most oh, yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah.
2: I don't know if I read them all. I don't know if I read the short story collections. Um,
0: I read them all. You in mean,
2: like, like a the Spy Who Loved two. Me. And... No, Spy Who no, Loved Me was a I, novel, I, but it was right. a different format. It was a different format. Yeah, right. It was me. a
3: novella. It was like it was actually it was a there was a collection, right? And the whole point of view on that it story was a woman. Yeah, and it, right. and it had nothing to do with anything in the movie. You, right. I, I don't think you can even rightly call the Spy Who Loved Me a book adaptation. Well, that's <laughs> actually
2: not quite correct. They used the title. And then there are these two mobsters, Sluggo I yeah, think, I and Nancy. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and there is a character in The Spider Who Loved Me that, that's loosely based on one's character. And, and Jaws is a bit of one of these guys. Um, he obviously didn't have metal teeth in the book, but um, as the story but, you know, that is was really part not. of the Ian Fleming's uh, request, and the request it was contractual that they couldn't use anything from the book because he considered the book a failure. Even though a lot of people have gone on to think it's one of his actually better it books, it is, it's um, great. Yeah, but at the time, it wasn't what they were expecting because it broke format. The whole idea of it all um, takes place in a in her, a motel. Him us you know because there, it was it would, the woman and then it was about bond and then it takes place in this it was sort of key largo and then it's like that's true uh and then and then it's, it's them uh, and it's really kind of a cool thing but at the time he sort of got you know it wasn't what people expected and uh, uh he didn't have good feelings about it so he's like you can't adapt this at all and um and so they didn't and so they remade you only live twice
0: was, was Thunderball kind of written as a book and a screenplay at the same
3: time? I think that was actually originally... That was like an original, right? Like um, that it wasn't... That it was no. like with the script. I mean, I know that there was a book, Thunderball, but, but that the script. Like, there's something weird about the rights to the script.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. If you really wanted to know, there is actually a, <laughs> a book out there called <laughs> "Nobody nope. Does It Better," and it happens to have been written by me. So yeah. maybe you want me
3: to explain it. <laughs> well, yes, that would
1: be the ball uh, that I was tipping up for you to. <laughs> this isn't Bond it, Week, by the way. We're just, we're, we're, doing, just riff, we're just riffing because it's a book. We're doing books, all books. yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, no. The 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 well, thing is, is that. Um, Ian Fleming was desperate to uh, sell um, Bond to the movies because that's where the real money was, even back then. And um, there was a guy, uh, he was introduced to uh, Kevin McClory, mm-hmm. um, who had just done a, a, a movie, The Boy on the Bridge, and who wanted to direct it, and they started developing an original called James Bond to the Secret Service. And uh, they started writing it, and ultimately, this thing went nowhere. And... Uh, uh, McClory ended up lo- losing the rights, um, and Ian Fleming made you know deals elsewhere. But um, what happened was uh, he took some all that those the story meetings, the writers' room, mm. and wrote a book called Thunderball. Okay. And he didn't give any credit to McClory or to Jack Whittingham, who worked on the script. And so they then sued him, you know, particularly McClory, which led to the famous settlement where. Um, he got the re- movie rights to Thunderball as a okay. result, and that's how he was able to worm his way into producing Thunderball with Broccoli and Saltzman. And then uh, part of the deal was that he had got the remake rights from them as part of his deal to remake Thunderbolt within 10 years. It shows you they had no faith in the Bond franchise. Right. That they were like, oh, in 10 years, you, you, you have the uh, remake rights. Not 20 years,
3: not 30 years, not 50 well, years. Never Say Never Again. So
2: that's how Never <laughs> Say Never Again happened. And in fact, we uh, I, I was on Best Movies Never Made recently with Fred Decker, our sister podcast, and we talked at length about Warhead and James Bond, The Secret Service, and mm. the whole McClory things that led to Never Say Never Again. And it's a, it's a really good episode. So if you want to know more about this subject, uh, you should check out uh, Best Movies Never Made. I, I don't know if they're going to still run it now, april or if they're going to hold it for november oh. now though um, because of the movie being pushed i gotta ask josh miller that
0: um, I, I seem to recall like every few years they make noise about remaking it again <laughs> Or that, the, Didn't that all get resolved? It got resolved. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that's, for a yeah. while it was like, oh, Sony's going to start their own Bond movie Well, that was, and in and... fact, D-
2: Dean Devlin, our benefactor, and Roland almost ended up being the ones to do the Sony wow. Bond movie, but they wanted to do it as a period piece in the 60s. <sighs> and um, what happened uh, is then Sony used their rights that they had acquired from McClory to get the rights to Spider-Man. From MGM, oh, okay. because MGM had a piece of the Spider-Man right. so puzzle. They a did trading. a swap. Yeah, they did a swap, and then that was also in Never Say Never Again's distribution rights. And um, Casino Royale went to UA and to uh, the Broccoli's right. as part of the settlement. Um, and then when McClory died, that's how they got Spectre finally uh,
3: back. They're old um, friends at right. Spectre.
2: And it, it didn't take long for um, a deal to happen for Specter because the family, I think, couldn't wait to be no one's McClory died. It's like <laughs> S- stop chasing rainbows <laughs> and unicorns. Uh, okay. So this is, I read your book, You Magnificent Bastard Week. It's pretty self-explanatory. These are movies based on books. So we all started reading a lot this week because, no. Um, Steve did. Steve uh, I don't read. Princess um, Day, Princess Day. is dead, be, is dead yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, obviously some amazing, amazing movies have been based on books. This is all category in the Oscars. Uh, best original screenplay, best adapted screenplay. So, um, you know, so many great, great movies that have been based on, on books. Some great books have been made in terrible movies, you know, Bonfire of the Vanities being, you know, one of the most famous uh, uh, misfires. Brian um, De Palma adapted that best-selling book and it was a disaster. In fact, the the book about the making of that is probably a better book <laughs> than the actual movie. Which I can't is, wait to
1: see the movie that that is going to well, be. There was on. talk
2: of <laughs> adapting the devil's candy into yeah. a movie. And it wouldn't surprise me because like Netflix now is doing a lot of these. They're doing with David Fincher, the making of Citizen Kane. Right. right. You know, uh, which I
0: can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Mank? Yeah, one?
2: Mank. Yeah, about Herman yeah. Um So I'm, I'm very excited about that. In fact, I just read a wonderful book. I don't know if any of you read it, about the making of Chinatown called The Big Goodbye. Mm. And it is wonderful. Really great book about um, uh, Chinatown. It also gets into Two Jakes a little, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. because that's really not as well documented as, obviously, Chinatown is. But great stories about Polanski, about Bob Evans, um, uh, that, that whole era of Hollywood. and Nicholson. Some of
1: that was covered in uh, uh, Raging Bulls, right?
2: Yes, but not in this level of detail. Okay. Uh, preserved in perfect detail Um, (laughs) and uh, it's really a great it's a very breezy read but very interesting and uh, I really anybody who's a fan of Chinatown so that doesn't include you Steve uh, (laughs) is uh, but I love true Hollywood yeah I I think you are you dig it the most actually you really enjoy this book I mean there's great nickel great Nicholson stories Mm. stuff that the way he treated Angelica Houston oh Oh, my god Uh, But you know Nicholson just seems like a really cool cat You know, um, and it's like, he basically had, he was really loyal to his friends, which explains why he made all these bad Bob Ravelson movies. But, um, you know, like you walk in and he had like a bowl um, full of $50 bills that you could just take if you need money like just like you walk in and like he just loved to look after his friends and it's like oh if you were hard up for money just grab money from the ball there was also a cocaine wow. ball but that's a whole nother thing but um, <laughs> he's the
1: best of the misogynists but, <laughs> but but you know he,
2: you know what I loved about Nicholson it was it was true I mean it was like he really looked out for his friends and was super loyal to them and you know the, the famous story about two Jakes was you know even if he was all about money and about his quote and you know um he was gonna do two Jakes, for, for um, just back in and not take a dime to help Bob Evans who was sort of at the low point of his career. And the famous story from, you know, Kids Days of the Picture, of course, is uh, how when Rob Evans Robert Evans, was losing his house, the woodland, the beautiful woodland, you know, Nicholson went and bought it, you know, got it back from the guy who bought it and bought it back for Bob Evans because he figured he would die without his, you know, his home, you know, that he was so in love with. It, it's just... So, yes, I mean... It's, it's really, and it's it's just, it captures the time in Hollywood, the transition from the 60s to the 70s, you know, that's amazing, and how this movie got made, and all the forces that were sort of arrayed against it. And you know who comes across really badly in the book? Bob Town. Oh, oh, my God, what a jerk! And, and overrated, <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it also really chronicles how that script evolved, which is, is super interesting. I really, you know, just talking about it, I mean, I probably read that book in two days, um, and I'm really busy, and I don't know where I found the time. I was some late nights. <laughs> um, so I really, to our listeners, to you guys, and I didn't write it. Um, what? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, I really think that as soon as you pick up, nobody does it better. You should pick. No, you should really uh, check out the Big Goodbye. It has nothing to do with the Tracy May Next Generation episode. <laughs> um, Thank goodness. But uh, for our listeners who are interested in movies, I, I think it's a great, great book.
1: I'd like to know our listeners who aren't interested in movies. Why that's would they right. listen to us? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> because they my love point. to listen to us.
3: <laughs> they just like the way we say the word. That's, no, I, I do. That's think, actually disturbing. I, do think I don't want to think. We about probably that.
2: picked up some people who enjoy listening to Inglorious Trexperts who you know listen to 4:30 Movie, who maybe are not huge cinephiles, but maybe enjoy, you know, the hearing banter. our conversations, the, the wacky panther, <laughs> the Muppet movies. Oh my gosh, the Muppet movies. The no Muppet movies. So um The Muppet version of Chinatown. we who would Okay, the Muppet version <laughs> Muppet version. I'm trying to think. We Miss Piggy obviously would be yes. Mulray, Evelyn Mulray. Um You know, Nicholson, who's a good nigga? Is Kermit? It has to be Kermit. It has to be Kermit. He's He's got got the
1: bandage across the bridge of his nose. Oh my
2: God.
1: (laughs) Totally. You're a real nosy fella. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Actually, not. I don't really have a nose. (laughs) We're we're coming for frogs like, see?
2: Oh oh my God. And then, oh my God. And then, who who would be, you know, Hollis Hollis Mulray, John Houston,
1: Sam the Eagle? No, no, it's it's got to be John, Waldorf.
2: Oh, uh, Waldorf! Oh, my <laughs> The future? Boom, boom, boom! That is great. It's <laughs> totally wall, Waldorf. It's
3: it the future, Mr. Gates. <laughs> <laughs>
2: At the right time, in the right circumstances, a man can do anything. Um, but, uh, but. My yeah. sister!
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: my God. Say that for spoiler week. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that is really yeah. good. And then, um, and then you have uh, it wasn't Mulholland, right? Who was? Uh, no, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, but he could be uh, Hans at Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> you just want to have Bunsen Honeydew do, in there. I do. I do. I want to have Bunsen Honeydew in there. But he would be good as John Hillerman. He would be good in the John Hillerman role, right? <laughs> uh, Am I right? You're. You're right. You're right. I mean, I, who else would you cast in that? I. I, I wouldn't.
3: You wouldn't.
2: <laughs> you, you wouldn't. Okay. So who else in that movie? And then who would be Escobar? Jesus, I don't know. Come on, Doctor Teeth. Oh, no, Doctor Teeth.
1: Doctor Teeth. Hmm. I think Doctor Teeth would be better as Polanski. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> I, I could I could go in a direction, but I won't. Hmm. Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. So. So today we're talking about. I read your book, you Magnus and These are which is a line from Patton. It's a line Let's from Patton. It. <laughs> it's a line from Patton. And uh, great line. not based on a book. Because I read your uh, exactly. Ironically. <laughs> <laughs> I, based I read on you, World War Two. It's so great, though. <laughs> it's, we're, we're, it's one of the great lines <laughs> in the Coppola-scripted film, where where Georgie e. Scott yells into the desert. I read you your book, Rommel. You magnificent bastard, because yes. he's one step ahead of Rommel in the desert of the Desert Fox, because he read his book, which is it's just a great scene and a great movie. Who understands his tactics. So we're That's... going to talk about movies that are adapted from books. These are great movies because when i not we're not the books. We're rating the movies. Right. This is not, you know, the library TV show, you know, li- library show, or, or I don't know what time people read books, you know, we, not the 430 movie, but this is not a show about books. The, it's the 430 Dewey Decimal. It's, yeah. It, yeah, the Dewey Decimal. It's a
3: 4.30 movie.
2: Is about, this is about movies. And, uh, you know, particularly, I'm sure, in, um, look, I, I was always very excited, like, you know, when I was a kid, and I, I'm sure you guys had this experience, like, you'd read a book. And you're like, oh, I can't wait till they make it into a movie. Like, great example was *Wrinkle in Time*. Now, I wish I'd never asked for the movie, right. but uh, when you were a kid, like, you wanted to see, like, oh, maybe one day they'll put make Wrinkle in Time into a movie. One it only day. took, like, 30 years, and it was awful, but um, it wasn't like, awful. Lord was, of the Rings, when jump. I read that. Lord yeah. of the so Rings were the is a great example. They were,
0: were what they were, but and then Carol. finally, yeah, not great. <laughs> they were but Carol. at the
2: time, it was exciting because, like, yeah. there was the Rankin-Bass Hobbit, yeah. and then there was the Ralph Bashky, um, uh, um Lord of the Rings, which was Fellowship of the Ring and a little of Return of the King. And it was so disappointing,
0: right? And then the, was it did Bakshi do Return of the King? Or was that, uh, who did Return of the King?
2: I don't think they did Return of the King. Yeah, it was. Did they? they? Did it, yeah,
3: it was.
1: Oh like, no,
2: it, 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 was, it was Rankin-Bass. Yeah, Rankin-Bass. Rankin-Bass, the Hobbit dude. It was so weird because of the way that the rights were bifurcated. Yeah. So you had the the Rankin-Bass, which is like the, the lowest kind of animation. Not really. It was like Hanna-Barbera kind of animation.
1: It was better than that. Okay. But, I, I know what you mean. You know, doing The Hobbit television, and Return of the King. Animation.
2: And in the middle, you had Ralph Baxke, which is like, you know, very distinctive, you know, kind of brilliant animation. Uh, or You know, he was big on rotoscoping. Big, rotoscoping. big on yeah. rotoscoping. Yeah. 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 Um, Posterization. It, it was no Fritz the, the Cat, stuff. that's for sure. It was yeah. no Fritz <laughs> the Cat. It was no Cool World. So, um, Ooh, cool so world. T- what was a book that you really wanted to see turned into a movie as a kid? Do you remember?
0: Well, Lord of the Rings, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... You know, I'd read those books in junior high school, and
2: yeah. we were lucky it came to be. See, I never got <laughs> to see Encyclopedia Brown turned into yeah. a uh, turned into a movie. Um, so, what about you? I
1: I wanted to save it for when I give yeah. my pick. Oh, well, in that case, <laughs> wait. wait. Do you, is
2: there a movie? Maybe when you were a kid, you want to see turned? Let's we'll talk about Pendulum. books that never got turned okay. into a book. Like, is there something you loved as a kid, a book that mm. never got made as a movie? Hmm. I oh, know yeah. what mine is.
3: Oh yeah, what? The moon is a harsh mistress. I oh, that's a good one.
2: That's interesting. That's interesting. I really wanted the great glass elevator. to Dude, get made. yes, right. And the sequel to you know Willie, Willie to Walker. Charlie to Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. And um, I was always so disappointed that they never made that movie. Um,
1: now I'm grateful that they they never did.
2: Yeah, uh, probably so. But I mean, that was I think more than anything, that was like the book. I was always, oh, I hope they make this one day. I really because you know the way that movie ends is like it's really the beginning of something grand, mm-hmm. and uh, never happens. So well,
0: there's always the danger, the potential that your favorite book will be you know ruined, ruined yeah, that, no, that, that it won't happen. be. You know, because everyone uh, reading a book is a very personal, individual yeah. experience, and you conjure the imagery in your own mind and and the pacing and. And all that sort of thing. And and when someone else or, you know, a team of people translates it into a movie, they have their own perspective on right. it and their own, you know, uh, things that they want to accomplish or, or limitations mm-hmm. or or mandates. And, you know, it's it's usually doesn't turn out the way you would want it right. to be. Um, so there's this great, you know potential for disappointment. You know what was Occasionally, fascinating? Occasionally, though, books are improved by the movies. Yeah, there's Once in a while. You
2: know what was fascinating for me? I remember in high school, um, Robert Bloch's Psycho Two came out. Mm. And the book had nothing to do with the movie. They were both developed at the same time. So the movie was his own thing. So I read the book, but which is OK, not great. And then the movie comes out, which is okay, not great. But it was sort of like completely different. It was
1: uh, weird that they were sort of simultaneous. It was a very rare instance And it's amazing about... that you can make a book and a movie that are completely different but are okay and not great. <laughs> 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 Two bites at the apple and the apple is kind of meh. <laughs> no, no.
3: Although Psycho 2 is kind of interesting. I
2: don't know. Uh, no, we've talked about it yeah. on the show. I mean, Psycho 2, the, just the audacity of doing a sequel to Psycho and that it's not a complete and utter disaster. Yeah. Um, that it has a lot going for it, um, and that you know, Richard Franklin honored Hitchcock, and um, that it's 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 an interesting movie.
1: It's and, okay, but not great. Week on the four thirty. <laughs> <Monday. laughs> okay, so let's get to
2: Monday. This is where um, we curate a fantasy theme week uh, based on our theme of. Um, uh, movies that have been uh, derived from books, and as always, we start on Monday with Steve Melchick Steve, oh, of course, is a writer for, producer for TV. Um, he's written for such shows as The Clone Wars and uh, uh, X Men: The Animated Series, Transformers, The Guardians of the Galaxy series, um, and uh, Star Wars Rebels. And most recently, um, he worked on a very mysterious show that we can't talk about, <laughs> but it's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh, so Monday. Uh, Yeah, uh, I'm going... uh, TV series based
2: (laughs) on a toy line, Steve. That's what we're looking for. Uh,
0: I'm going for a a book that uh, came out in 1976. Um, It's... um, from the adventures of Luke Skywalker, Star Wars, and it's amazing how quickly they made it into a. No, sorry, that's not my pick. That, that was an be. Ashley yeah. pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: and of course, because even though the, the book came out before the movie, it was a novelization. A, a year yeah. before. It was not an original yeah. Yeah.
0: book. Yeah. Um, I, this I had such a hard time on this pick because this is such an expansive topic, and I, I was back and forth on what my pick was going to be, and I'm still back and forth, but. I'm going to go ahead and commit with my original choice with a book that came out uh, in 1999. Uh, it's a nonfiction book that was adapted into a, I guess you call it a docudrama. Uh, the book was written by Mark Bowden. Oh, it's yes. Black Hawk Down. Mm. That was adapted by uh, Ken Nolan for director Ridley Scott uh, for the 2001 film. And... This is a book that I had read that is a real page-turner. I mean, it chronicles this, um, for those of you maybe too young to remember, a uh, in Somalia, there was a civil war in the early 90s that uh, led to the dissolution of the government and a terrible famine, and we saw all these horrible pictures of the people of Somalia starving, and the United Nations sent a force in to uh, feed the people, but in this... The chaos that was going on, these warlords came to power and, and started to con- take over distribution of the food and the starvation continued. And And then they had th- threatened to attack the U.N. troops. So the, the lame duck president, George H.W. Bush, sent in a, a, a bunch of U.S. forces to defend the, uh, the United Nations troops and try to restore some kind of order by – uh, capturing or killing uh, Mohammed Farah Aidid, the, the one of the big warlord leaders in Somalia, and um, the mission sort of changed over a, a period of months. Until by October, they they thought they were going to round up all these uh, leaders uh, in the in the uh, in the militia and. And things just went terribly, terribly wrong on this mission. Uh, that started when uh, one of the Black Hawk helicopters crashed, and and all these U.S. For, special forces were in the middle of the most dangerous part of uh, of the capital city and um, Mogadishu, and uh, found themselves pinned down under fire by overwhelming enemy forces, and and over a period of a. a October 3rd and 4th, 1993, as I recall. And uh, and the the book chronicles their tale of survival, like how they defended themselves and ultimately got themselves and the, the, the bodies of their comrades out of this situation. And it's a gripping book that chronicles this in great detail. And uh, Ridley Scott and, and Ken Nolan and, and Mark Bowden were able to translate this into a movie that is incredibly intense uh and has a tremendous cast of characters that that brings these soldiers you know experience to life and it's such a a brilliantly photographed and made movie um and it just really puts you in the thick of this of this firefight in a way we have rarely seen at least to that point and I remember the experience of seeing that movie for the first time. It was so, it was such a gut punch, as it was just so intense that the friend that I saw it with had to just take a walk afterwards. We just walked around for about forty-five minutes, like coming down from that, the intensity of that experience. But you know, it was brilliantly edited by Pietro Scalia, who had edited JFK and, and a bunch of other things. It um, was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, for I think he may have won the Oscar for editing Black Hawk Down. Uh, Hans Zimmer did the score, and it had a great cast that included Josh Hartnett. A lot of these people were stars at the time, and a lot of them became stars later. So it was Josh Hartnett, Eric Banna, Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore, uh, William Fickner, Sam Shepard, uh, Yowen uh, and early performances from Tom Hardy, Jason Isaacs, Hugh Dancy, Orlando Bloom, uh, Nicholas Coster-Waldau and Jeremy
3: Piven.
2: It's a hell of a
0: cast. Yeah. It's a great cast, and um, just a tremendous movie. Yeah, and fun for the whole family. Yeah, really,
3: it's a it's, uh, it's it's a great movie. It's basically uh, it's Xenophon, right? It's the mm-hmm. Ten Thousand. It's all of that, like in fast forward. Instead of like months, like coming home from Persia, it's like it's just two days trying to get out of the center of Mogadishu, and um, and the story is told in such an I mean, it's such an amazing way. I mean, Ridley Scott obviously is like is one of our greatest visual storytellers, and I think that um, that that he deployed his talents very well in this film. Um, I had a slightly different experience with this movie. So, um, you know, back in an old life, you know, I used to do a lot of work for the for the Navy, and um, in 19. 19- I want to say it was before the book had been published, so maybe it was 1995. It was 1996. And the book, which was based on a series of articles that Bowden had written for, I think the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, I went to every year. There's a there's a symposium. Um, the Military Operations Research Society Symposium. It's in Carmel, right? It's in the Naval Postgraduate School. Uh, and what happens is a lot of very high-ranking people, very high-powered geeks show up. And we get together and we talk about math, okay? So I knew that he was coming, Mark Bowden was coming to do this whole presentation on on what became Black Hawk Down, okay? Uh, it was about three hours long he had a room full of flag officers and below i mean it was it was one of those things that they they say standing room only standing room only mm. um now i've briefed some of these people in my time and let me tell you something um they love to ask questions they love to get in there in the middle of it like and just ask questions as you go and you realize when you speak to them just how smart they are, because they do not let you miss it or forget it, this room could hurt a pin drop because he went through the timeline of what happened and all of the breakdowns with such detail and specificity that there was just no real room for anybody to raise their hand. So all the questions came at the end. I have never seen a room full of people at that level react to a brief the way they reacted to the story that Bowdoin told hmm. uh about what happened in Mogadishu. I mean, it was just, it was gripping just to hear him talk about it. And kind of going from that experience, you know, then reading the book, which is a different experience, and then watching that film, it's just he did such a great job. And the way that um that he captured uh the operators, mm-hmm. right? And I'm talking about the real oper- and look, you know, God bless the Rangers, Rangers lead the way, all that shit. But I mean, we we're talking about like the Delta guys, right? Yeah. Like Eric Bana is like is yeah. like really sort of personifies the Delta guys. Eric Bana is so great in that movie because he is 100% that guy. Um just uh, I mean, I could go on about that movie at length and go on about that story at length, but it's just it's a fascinating piece of military history that that to this day has had impacts. On, um, on how the military manages uh, command and control issues and how they manage crisis response and how they manage just a whole host of things. It was like, it was, it's, it's something that, you know, we don't really think about a lot unless we're kind of talking about the movie. Um, but it was a, I would say that it was a fairly pivotal moment in military history in terms of, um, the you know the united states military saying okay we sort of hit a point um where we have this enormous technological advantage we have all of this technology and the truth of the matter is that we are um, we are applying it to doctrine that is no longer equal to the technology that we have and it has made us vulnerable mm. so how do we fix that uh, it is just it's a huge moment in history it's a pivotal moment in military history and how military force is applied it's and it's a great film,
0: and, and it's fascinating. Like the on paper, and in the early execution, it seems like a perfectly reasonable plan to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. Where they have redundancy and they have backup and all that, and this the way a, a, a chain of small events happen that undoes the whole thing and leads to something like was it about 120 guys basically being trapped in the middle of this city, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and with under equipped, and then overnight, and and um, it's it, it was it's a terrifying it's kind of a horror story in a way and yes. and the, the film was subject to some criticism and i think not unwarranted that you know the somali characters are not really characters they're dehumanized and and um and that it sort of fetishizes the military to some extent um it's not you know there's a debate is it a pro-war film is it an anti-war film and i think they're all valid criticism and, and worthy of discussion and that's what i think makes it such an interesting movie
2: Sony just re-released uh, it on 4K UHD. I just bought and it. And I was yes. going to say, What's I strongly great. recommend it. It has great special features, uh, you know, doing a deep dive. I think Charlie DeLazarica did them, or maybe it was... Sure. I'm not yeah. sure. But um, I highly recommend it. In fact, I just bought it because I want to rewatch it as well yeah. in 4K. So I'm looking forward, especially because it's been a long time since I watched it. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> the thinking here in this conversation, I think I think it's high time that we uh, do a Ridley Scott week. Oh, my mm. God. You know, we, we haven't done that yet. But, you know, thinking about all the great Ridley Scott and again another chameleon you know he's yeah. done such great movies you know great war movies great sci-fi great not historical. really great comedy but you he hasn't know, done a musical yet either yeah, but <laughs> uh, you know he's such or a you know, time.
0: Tw- this is the 20th anniversary of gladiator coming up mm-hmm. so, oh my goodness
2: that's right so there's a oh my god world yeah. but um it's it's uh it's, that's gonna be a uh, really uh, are great you choice. not entertained week <laughs> are you not? Edit- are you not entertaining me? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that's um, Monday. That's Monday, we're now, out of time. For <laughs> yes. See you next yes.
1: week. Yeah. <laughs>
2: on Tuesday, we look to Darren Doctorman. Darren, of course, is a concept artist for movies and television. Some of the shows he worked on is like Westworld. He also has been on uh, Real Steel, X Men X Three, The Last Stand, uh, he The Abyss, and and uh, good ones too. Actually. I just said <laughs> the ab- I said The Abyss. Well,
1: yeah, so. yes, that was a long time ago. Um, I've sure l- l- forgotten l- about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, Darren Tuesday.
1: Yes, Tuesday. I I've gone back and forth about what I was going to pick on this. I had several ideas. I'm not going to mention what they were mm. cuz I'm I'm not Mark. <laughs> no you're not. <laughs>
2: Should be so lucky. But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, I finally settled on something that is very recent actually. Mm. Um, it is a film that I just finally saw uh, a couple weeks ago, and it is a uh, it is an adaptation of a book that was a sequel to a book that also was a film, and this is Doctor Sleep. Okay. Ah. Okay. It is uh, the sequel to The Shining uh, by Stephen King, uh, and Stephen King wrote dr sleep as a direct sequel to his book the shining of course stanley kubrick did the film the shining in 1980 and uh it was a not necessarily an ad, a direct adaptation of the book but more like an interpretation of the book. A lot of things different about the film than uh, Stephen King's original book and Stephen King wasn't very happy with uh, the film version even though a lot of people consider it a uh, a classic and a, an amazing film. I'm one of them I, I really enjoy the film. I read the I read Dr. Sleep uh, when it first came out. And I found it very fascinating because it had uh, some really interesting sort of turns of uh, the character of Danny Torrance, who is now grown. Uh, Of course, he was the kid in the original who, uh, you know, rode his uh, big wheel through the uh, through the hotel and saw scary things because he had the shining. He had the uh, connection to the uh, spirit world, basically. And. The book, Dr. Sleep. Is very Stephen King in terms of the main uh, villains in it are very quirky, very odd, sort of not really human, but they could pass for human. They're, they are also very evil, but you understand their point of view in the book. Um, the movie adaptation, however, takes these things, it basically makes a sequel to both the book and the film and sort of intertwines them so that it is a they are both uh equally represented and uh well represented actually i found uh the film to be extremely entertaining and well done and scary and um very thoughtful and and some very moving things for people of the book and the f- film so uh i i found it
3: to be incredibly uh well done i think mike flanagan who uh, who directed that yes. is quite an excellent director absolutely and has had a lot of success recently in, in adaptation. Um mainly weirdly on adapting on Netflix, right? Like he adapted right. Gerald's game, I think, for yeah. the Stephen King novel. Yeah on netflix so i guess it doesn't count for this show because it's on netflix you know, i don't know Does why it? it wouldn't i mean everything I guess a movie. else on netflix okay so forget is i said that in case somebody movie. wants to pick it um <laughs> he did you know uh the the house on haunted hill right. right yeah uh and uh i mean he's just but he's been making horror movies like for like i mean like well over a decade sometimes yeah. with like no money but at very just a smart very horror smart horror movies, movies. Right. yeah
0: yeah, I, I'm with Darren on this. I, I was always a fan of the Kubrick uh, version of The Shining. I had read the novel after I had seen the movie, so mm-hmm. it I was thrown, you know, by right. the differences. And I like the book, but it didn't stick with me the way the movie did. Right. And. I had not read Doctor Sleep at all, uh, and still haven't. But I really enjoyed the movie a lot. I thought it was—I no, thought it was terrific. I, th- I thought, oh gosh, what's the the lead actress's name? Um,
3: oh yeah, she's great. Um, and she's she in Mission is Impossible, fantastic. Oh, uh,
0: Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. 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 She's she's she my God. Steals this movie. She and Ewan McGregor is terrific in it yeah. too. But she is like riveting. Like you know, she just holds the screen. Yep. She's tremendous.
1: And she's incredibly evil. Yes,
2: she is awesome. <laughs> and apparently, I guess the um, the Blu-ray has uh, the director's cut, which yes. is uh, substantially longer.
1: It's, it's about 15, 15 or 20 minutes longer. Mm. For director's
2: cuts, that's pretty but, substantial. But the
1: thing is, I, I watched both versions, and you can't really tell. Mm. It's just the director's cut has scenes that are longer, mm. and it's, but it's the same scenes, basically. Right. right. Uh, and, and it goes into a little more depth. And there are a couple which which are, you know, you would think would be boring, but they're just sort of conversation scenes between two characters that are riveting. And it's just amazing. Mm.
2: Well, I haven't seen the movie. I'm a big fan of the original Shining, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, but I have not seen Dr. Sleep. But I, I to would put that on it. my yeah. on my queue. I have the 4K disc at home sure. and uh, we'll have to take a look at it. So it sound, sounds intriguing. On Tuesday. On Tuesday. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Wednesday, uh, Ashley Miller is a uh, writer of such movies as Thor and X-Men First Class. Um, you know him from such TV shows where he's a writer-producer on Lore, Terminator's Sarah Connor Chronicles, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. See, mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned that one in a while. Right. And a uh, new show for Netflix, which uh, shall not be named um, because it hasn't been announced. That's right. And uh, so take us through Wednesday.
3: Okay, so uh, I'm going to go a little bit. I'm not going out of the box for the week. I'm going out of the box for me, for what I think you would expect of me.
1: What's in the box?
3: <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> Funny you mention no, the cat in the hat by Dr. <laughs> Seuss is a yeah. fine adaptation. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so last season on our show, previously, previously, previously on the 4:30 <laughs> movie, uh, you know, we talked about. Um, my experience with Henry the yes right? all right yeah and how that kind of changed the course of my my existence so part of that course change that threw me into uh into the english program and i came out with my uh, with my with my uh, my major my degree in english um i took a lot of classes on modern british literature right i became like a real aficionado of that stuff um and there was a book that I encountered uh, in one of my classes, that it was it had only recently been published, it was published in 1989, but it was very clearly genius, incredibly well-written, incredibly beautiful, um, a book by an author named Kazuo Ishiguro, uh, the, the title is Remains of the Day. Mm-hmm. Um, Remains of the Day was adapted in 1993 um, by a merchant in ivory, into um, a movie with Anthony Hopkins and Emmett Thompson. Um, Merchant and Ivory had uh, had brought a number of previously E.M. Forrester books to life. And I could talk forever about those, too. I'll save them for Friday. Uh, but, uh, but you know, they certainly have a, a history of making truly great um, ad- literature adaptations. One of the things about... Well, I'll tell you what the story remains of the day. is. So it's, it's actually very simple. The idea is Anthony Hopkins plays um, Butler. And... Uh, his home darlington hall is sold to united states congressman because its previous owner uh was a british lord who is essentially in the shit house because he was a nazi sympathizer and possibly collaborator uh and hopkins sets out across the country to find emma thompson who during the war was uh was the housekeeper Right? Sort of his, his the counterpart. Shut out the shutout Yeah. <laughs> um, and the story really chronicles their relationship. It's it's not really a story about the war. It's a story about the, the two of them. It's a story about um, how Anthony Hopkins' character was so devoted to his duty and to the house that he was unable to make a real Connections, even when he wanted to, it was. You watch the movie and you realize he is deeply in love with Emma Thompson, and she with him. And there is this barrier, and the barrier is the house. The barrier is the duty and the job, and it all comes to a head um, when the truth of, uh, of of what the the Lord of the House is up to becomes becomes apparent. And it's something that, for Anthony Hopkins' character, um, it's. It is beyond him. It is it is above his pay grade. It's not that he condones it. Um, it is that it is irrelevant. He sees himself as a functionary. And Emma Thompson's character can't accept it because she doesn't see herself that way. But the way their relationship develops, just the little moves, the little seductions, they, they never connect. They never come together. There are just these achingly beautiful scenes, both in the book and in the film where you just want them to and they don't. And when they say their final goodbye, right? When you think, oh, he's thinking finally he's going to mm-hmm. say something, he's going to change his mind and he and he reaches for her but she's going away. There's this beautiful shot of their hands that they just, you know, and I know we can actually see this now in the 430 movie, but like, but their, their fingers nearly touch but don't. And then they just get pulled away. And I have to tell you, it is so beautiful, it wrecked me. And it didn't hit me until I walked out of the theater and I had to go find a corner. I swear to God, I cried for like 10 minutes. I was destroyed by this film. And I thought the book was unfilmable um, because, and I, I think a, a lot of people thought the book was unfilmable because it is so internal. Yet somehow Merchant and Ivory, like with these amazing actors, found ways to, to dramatize this. And, and to and to bring it out um and to visualize it and uh, you know i can't i cannot imagine it succeeding with with a lesser cast uh than than what they had but it's it's one of my favorite movies i mean it's no highlander but what is? <laughs> but what is? It's, what is? No, I, it's yeah, yeah. I remember seeing this movie. I've only seen
0: it once, because it, it's such an experience. And I remember that scene you just described, literally holding my breath. And like shouting, like say something, do something. And then when the moment passes, I just yeah, I started crying too. It was so. It's a a great date movie. It's a (laughs) great.
3: I went with my wife, but this time, unlike Dracula or the Thomas Crown Affair, (laughs)
1: uh, it
3: kind of worked out. Um, No, I mean look, the that that moment is funny because I'm going to relate this back to Star Trek now because in a lot of ways, (laughs) okay, watch me, Anthony Hopkins, his character. Is essentially a Vulcan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's like there. It's this, yep. that lack of. It's not that he doesn't have emotions. It is that he puts his emotions aside. And I keep yeah. thinking about that scene in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, right? Which just the whole, you know, that the simple feeling right. is beyond him. It's just there's it, that's powerful for the same reasons because all the emotion, right, is here. It's all in here, and we're so all you're just saying Kirk is the housekeeper. Kirk is the housekeeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's so sort of repressed
0: and bottled up, and just containing everything. You can almost you can see the tension on his face; like it's it's incredible. It's a fantastic performance from both of them. Yeah, and Merchant and Ivory are just you know two of our great modern filmmakers. Yeah, anyway.
2: I'm I'm really I'm shocked that that's Ashley's pick. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and pleasantly surprised. Um, <laughs> I mean, I you know I probably would have gone with The Room with the View, but oh, personally, also but, great. Uh, but um, a I room think it's The Room with the View to a kill. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I see that
3: too. <laughs> so, there's one more thing about it. I mean, and this is about because um, you mentioned talking about just watching those performers. Okay, so in an age of Quibi, right? You got like, or we're watching crap on our iPads, or even at home on our TVs, and I don't care how many Ks we have on our on our televisions. There is something about a great actor. Forty feet high. Yeah, when you can see all the little moves in their faces and their expression, film can do things in the theater that it simply I don't think can accomplish um, in a in a smaller format, right? Because you need right. The Merchant Ivory didn't make a big science fiction movie, you know, but they needed that big screen as much as any, didn't they? (laughs) Right, As, as much as any other director would need that big screen because you are, you are fully immersed in the emotional experience That's of it.
2: Point. That's yeah. a great point. That's a great point. We talked about doing an episode devoted to the theatrical experience, and I think that, that would be the thesis of mm-hmm. it, that you know, it doesn't have to be spectacle to make something worthy of uh, theatrical distribution um, because it, it, there is a fundamental difference between seeing a movie in a theater where you're completely focused... Mm-hmm. You know, on it on this giant screen versus the, even if you have the best home theater system at home with great sound and great picture. Well, you
1: just need a bigger screen. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> forty You <feet high. laughs> need a bigger boat. <laughs> okay, so that's Wednesday. that's Wednesday.
2: Speaking of bigger boats. I'm not going to pick Robert Benchley's Jaws. Uh, Meg instead. Uh, yeah. Because it was... Uh, we,
1: Peter Benchley, We documented... Not Robert Benchley's That's Jaws. okay. Robert oh, Benchley's Robert Jaws oh, would be something... Wrote for, for Jessica Von in Merit
2: Here we are at the round table. I would love to see Robert Benchley's
1: Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. So,
2: Miss <laughs> Parker, let me tell you, I have a new book It's about a giant shark... Oh, seriously, Robert. <laughs> really? <laughs> are you kidding <laughs> me? <laughs> a Kakaris.
1: Oh. <laughs>
2: Let's have another drink. Um, okay, so uh, I, you know it's interesting because you know as we've said many times, it's finding the right balance in these weeks. It's not our best or our favorites. It's about yeah. finding balance. Bring balance to the force. And um, in the, you know he he went with a, a Stephen King adaptation, and I I I, I you know I'm. Not a fan of most Stephen King adaptations. Most of them are terrible, let's face it. You know, yeah. for a long time they yeah. were just, it was dreadful. It was like Marvel movies, you know, back until, until, until Kevin Feige, where like they were all right, horrible movies. So, um, but there was one that always stood out that was great, which was David Cronenberg's the Dead, Dead uh, you know, the Dead Zone, which is f- phenomenal, phenomenal movie based on on a great book. But I'm not gonna pick that because you went with Doctor Sleep, right? So uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. Until I got into this, I didn't realize what a difficult category. Oh my god, it's a, this really difficult. is. This is really, really difficult. Um. And, you know, I name-checked Willy Wonka at the beginning of the show. I do love that movie, mm-hmm. and I, I can't believe we haven't had that it on That was going to be one of my picks. So. Yeah, and um, I'm not going to pick it because I'm going to pick something. I'm going to go something I feel like that I, I don't know if it would make it into any other week. And I, I it is one—it is—I I admire the audacity of adapting a book that was unadaptable and, and, and making a um, movie that is so brilliant— Out of this book, and of course, that's um, uh, Stanley Kubrick adapted Nabokov's Lolita, and um, that movie is so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter Sellers, Sue Lyon passed away recently, Mm -hmm. who played Lolita, and James Mm -hmm. Mason. um, You know, and again, it's probably something that millennials will find offensive, but I mean, it's not condoning this. I mean, it's actually horrible. Everybody ends up in a horrible place, deservedly so. But. it's, it's such fine actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just uh, uh, Peter Sellers. Uh, mm. I mean, this is why Peter Sellers was a genius. Um, but James Mason yes. is is remarkable, Brilliant. and yeah. Shelley Winters yes. is mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's great. And you know, obviously, book uh, the the book itself is 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 problematic. It's challenging. Right. It's fascinating. But it's supposed to be. It's supposed right, to be exactly. exactly. And 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 the movie turns it into something else, I wouldn't say entirely, but it definitely is, it's very, we talked about The Shining and how Stephen King hates uh, what Kubrick did with The Shining, because Kubrick's The Shining, that's not Stephen King's The Shining. In a way, Lolita is Kubrick's Lolita, not Nabokov's Lolita.
1: Lolita is the Seinfeld episode, The Contest. I cannot wait. (laughs) Which is the the Seinfeld episode, The Contest, is based on how long each of the characters can go without masturbating. (laughs) They never mention the word in it. They never mention, uh, you know, anything specifically about it. It's all insinuated and it's all, you know, just sort of sidestepped.
0: Are you the master of your domain? Yeah.
1: And that's what Lolita is. Almost, you know, Almost word for word, almost. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's really, bright. shot in black and white. Mm-hmm. I remember, I saw it for the first time, I think we read the book in college, and I went to go see it, it was playing at the Brattle in Boston, Brattle Theater, and it was like, <laughs> waiting on a long line, and I was just like, didn't have many expectations for it. I mean, I was a fan of, 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 you know, Kubrick to the extent that I really loved, um, uh, Dr. Strangelove mm-hmm. at that point in 2001, and, uh. But boy, Lolita blew me away. Just,
1: I thought it was amazing. One of the ad lines on the poster says, how could they make a movie Out of from these, Lolita? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. Right. Okay.
2: That's, right. that's right, that's right, that's right. And, um, uh, you know, basically Peter Sellers plays Claire Quilty, who goes from sort of being a joke to really menacing yeah. and scary. And it plays well with the timeline. And um, uh, it's just, and James Mason, wow. I mean, he's... I mean, he's great in so many things, but uh, it's just a whole nother level. on
1: the the, the tortured man, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah just yeah. completely, completely uh, uh, beaten down by his own life. Well, he moves mm-hmm. into this
2: house, and you know, he he's a professor, and he's going to rent a room from Shelley Winters. He finds her so uh, just uh, appalling until he sees, you know, her daughter right. uh, Lolita, and and uh, then decides to move in, and it's just oh, it's such a good. Such a good movie. It's cinema. You know? And
1: yes, it should be disturbing when you're watching it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, look. Uh, this
1: is a normal reaction. Yeah. You're I, intended to feel like this. I
2: mean, it's interesting because there's another book, uh, movie, uh, book adaptation that I think has really uh, aroused the ire of certain people, you know, and on our side of the political spectrum, Steve, you know, which is Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. And um, Gone with the Wind, in many ways, is a very remarkable movie. And um, I was surprised when I first saw it because I have no interest in the South. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I never read the book. And when I first saw Gone with the Wind, I thought, oh, wow, this is a really, really good movie. I still feel that way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people feel because of its depiction of something that we find kind of repugnant, Mm -hmm. you know, life in the Confederacy and and, and, and the, the, the racism, the casual racism of it, that, you know, somehow there's something you know we should steer clear of this movie but no i mean you know i think we all feel the same way it's like you know these things are a microcosm of the time and that art is art regardless and you can put it in the context of what is you know wrong with it and you know in terms of social values but um this is a significant significant motion picture yeah. you know and and now you have movements to not show it you know, to to try and suppress it. art
0: should challenge you. It shouldn't be comfortable. You know, it right. should expand your mind. It should make you think. It should you know, you can. It's okay to have a negative reaction to something. Right. That's healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it stirs debate. It stirs yeah. serves uh, you know, think about yourself and your own attitudes, or you think about
1: how things have changed over time. I mean, Life is better when you think about things. that's yeah. right. And you are challenged, and you try to understand the thoughts and feelings of people who disagree with you. Right. And, you know, you we need to empathize with everybody.
2: It's also a way to understand the times in which the movies Absolutely. were yeah. made. Right. You know, because you, you, you can't f- force political correctness on a previous era. You know, I mean... You you want to understand what they were thinking, how far we've come and how far we still have to go. Right. But um, to just say, oh, you know, we shouldn't have these movies or, you know, Sean Connery is rapey in the Bond movies and we shouldn't watch those. It's just like, you know, it's a different era. It's a different time. And you, you can call that stuff out. Yeah. But, you know, uh, to try and somehow suppress these movies or, or dismiss these movies out of hand, it's like...
0: And that's not to say that you have to so like the Nazis, right? these no, movies or you, know, you don't have to like yeah. these movies or
2: approve no, of them no, but nobody's them, saying watch
3: that.
0: Yeah. them in their proper context understand for what they are and you enjoy them for what they are and or de- not
3: and develop the um mental and emotional resilience to tolerate your own negative reaction mm-hmm. to things that you don't like seeing depicted right. um, I mean There is it's to me, it is no coincidence that, you know, there's a mental health crisis at the same time that we have to have these conversations about, um, you know, art that uh, offends this person or that person needing to be put away in a box. Right. Because we've got an entire generation that has a kind of um, uh, they've they've taken the language of psychotherapy, but left the psychotherapy out of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) where like mental health is about learning to tolerate those negative reactions Mm -hmm. and deal with them um, you know so that you can process these things that we're talking about in in ways that are meaningful It's so you do end up with you know like let's you know Lolita no bad you know Connery Bond bad like, you know, gone with the wind, bad. No. The Dude. response yeah. of banning something is always bad. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean like we said, that's what the Nazis did, you yeah. know. And you don't wanna um you know, I'd hate to see somebody come of Gone with the Wind and say, "Oh man, I want to live like that." You know, oh yes. but <laughs> the good old days, right? But you should. There's no reason not to to look at Gone with the Wind and say, you know, it's a significant movie in motion picture history, yeah, yeah. and Selznick looms so large, and and making that movie, you know, so it's just. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just something we return to again and again. And I was that Your to choice for Thursday? No, no, my oh, choice okay. for Thursday was Lolita. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm just mentioning this is that great. Yes. because it's a yeah. lead into Friday because there's so much to discuss on Friday. There are a lot of the airport page turners, you know. Like airport. Um, Like, well, I was going to say, <laughs> like Tom Clancy, you yeah. know, all the Tom yeah. Clancy books, like Hunt for well, October Hunt for Red October, and Clear Present Danger. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, there's also... Um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont
0: High. absolutely. Yeah, which is absolutely. actually a an yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. very nearly picked Silence of the Lambs, which yeah. is yeah. a brilliant yeah. book and a brilliant movie. Yeah, that we, picked, we def- picked it before. Defined, right. uh, I don't think we have. We did. I, thought I are you did? sure? Because yeah, I checked. Yeah.
2: We picked... We... Hey, Zach.
0: I don't think Zach. No.
2: zach Do we pick... Uh, so... No, he's not back no, there. I, okay.
0: I, I went back to the files and checked. We did I'm have not... I'm pretty sure we have discussed did. it, but I don't think we picked it. I'm pretty sure But in any case... Uh, I didn't pick it, but it's a, it's it's obviously it's a genre defining film that won incredible accolades.
2: You know, I mean, even so, you know, we've discussed Die Hard at length. That's a movie that's based on a book. A lot of people don't realize that. The Ten Commandments, um,
0: Godfather. <laughs> Ten commandments. I'm surprised, Darren. I thought for sure, Darren, you were going to pick Dune. You know, I was. I, I was close dune. to picking <laughs> Dune. I was close
1: to picking The Godfather. I was close to picking Mary Poppins. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's, it's a pretty good week. Yeah, it's a really good oh, week. My, my, my own week in my yeah. mind is a good one. Godfather
2: yeah. hasn't been on the show. Only Godfather Part Two, I right. believe. Right. So, I mean, one day uh, we'll have to... I mean, we haven't even talked about Lord of the Rings. I right. Mean, right, I mean, what astounding that is... Yeah. yeah,
0: and it was picked for... Uh, thankful? For I think. Uh, movies were thankful for. Yeah. You. you
2: know what else? I mean, Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, right? Ah, yeah, uh, Speaking
3: uh, of James
0: Mason... Yeah, Master and Commander. I thought Darren yeah. might yeah. pick that one. I thought I thought for sure I, that was. I, I try
1: to not to pick stuff I've worked on. You,
0: you oh
2: know, you know, you know what I almost picked. <laughs> I almost picked um, Ian Fleming's Casino Royale. You know, I always pick Azir I think it's a brilliant adaptation of the book. It is. And it's a
3: very faithful adaptation, right down to the job is done and the bitch is dead. Right.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then, um, you know what I uh, came very close to picking over Lolita was um, James Elroy's uh, LA Confidential. Yeah, I love Uh, LA Confidential. I love LA Confidential. Such a great film. I mean, they had to cut a ton from the book, and yet that movie still works brilliantly. Yep. Great cast, great film, great Jerry Goldsmith score. You know, it didn't make the cut on Noir Week. It definitely has a place in the future. Came so close to picking that. I would advocate for that for Friday.
0: Yeah. I thought about picking The Graduate. Mm-hmm. But I've oh, never yeah. read the book. Okay. So my criteria is I had to have read the book. Yeah. I cannot That's believe... a
3: self-imposed criteria. Yeah, no. yeah I, I, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The same criteria? Absolutely. Yeah. For, for me, but... Um, you know, I mentioned the uh, other Merchant and Ivory adaptations. There's A uh, Room of the View. There's yeah. um, oh, so good. Uh, oh my god, they did a lot, right? They did A uh, Room of the View. By the way, is great. I think it's yeah. my wife's favorite movie. Uh, Howard's End, which is right. also great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did an adaptation of Passage to India. They did. I think they did Charlie, um, and it's just there's a lot of stuff.
2: They didn't they do did. the English Patient, but it feels like they did. Yeah, that was uh, a <laughs> what's his name? Um, uh, Anthony McGill. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, Look, I I would quibble with you because this isn't about books. Uh, I cannot believe we have never had The Graduate on the show. Yeah. The Graduate... Plastics. I mean, how did we not do it during um, uh, Pomp and Circumstance Week, College Week?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. Because it's not about college. Yeah, it's,
2: not. it's about after college. The yeah. title is about it, college, yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing else um, in it. The Graduate, and I just watched it again because it was on the Criterion channel. And it's funny yeah. because, I, of course, the I own it. The Criterion disc is great. Uh, yeah, and and I, I own the Criterion yeah. disc. But it was on, and I just happened to, because it's easier to do streaming. And and and, and
1: uh, I just every time I watch that, I marvel at the oh, filmmaking.
0: I just watched it again like three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say so. something that's... Uh, You've never seen <gasps> it. Controversial? No, I've seen it. Okay. You don't like it? I think I would put it in Overrated Week, Oh, wow, oh wow. And I'll just leave
2: that there. Oh, oh wow. man. I, we got to do... The, we got to <laughs> Go do... On. We have to do an official Academy of the Overrated movie, <laughs> and no one walks out of here alive. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was bad enough when you said Chinatown, but now they graduate. I mean, like I, those are two my absolute. Oh God! You know what we didn't talk about Planet of the Apes, Pierre yeah. Boulle, yeah. based on we, Monkey yeah. Planet. We already, we already. But you gotta mention about... it because if not, those guys on Twitter are gonna be like, "How could you leave Planet, this out?" So you gotta at
1: least say. But that's what, fine. We gotta give them something to say.
2: Okay. <laughs> I mean, but yes, Monkey Planet.
0: I mean, you know, you've got you know, Born on the Fourth of July and JFK are both based Narnia, which
2: I don't think is a very good movie, but you have uh, Lion of the Witch and the Harry Wardrobe.
3: Potter movies, oh, Potter, Harry Potter movies. Oh, Harry Potter. yeah Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah that. Actually, <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban is, I think, really good. It's the good. best of yeah. those movies,
2: yeah. but they're they're popcorn movies. They're not great movies. None of them is a great filmmaking. Well, they not they're great fine. for us. right? No, kids love them. They're,
1: they're great for another generation.
2: Uh, absolutely. They're, they're Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and and I I tried to get into the Harry Potter movies, and I don't I can watch them. Yeah, and fine. they get better. I mean, the third one's the best, the Prisoner ask Azkaban. But but the later ones, at least, are a little more adult, a little more watchable. Once you get past the 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 Chris Columbus ones at the beginning, but I don't love those movies. But I didn't read the books. I didn't grow up right. on the books. They're though. not for us. They're not for us. Uh, Color Purple, you know, Alice yeah. Walker. Um, I don't love the movie. Um, now um, there's also Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is a great. Well, that's uh, right. Great it was movie, was book, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, it was. The
0: Mosquito um, Coast. Sure. Based on the book. Graham Stoker. First
2: Blood. David yes. David, David Yeah, that's true. You know.
0: Um, I mean, this Stand By Me. Uh, yeah. This right. Short right. story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, Shawshank, and we've never had Shawshank on the show, have we?
0: After the prison, think we talk about prison about
3: movies it. week. That's right. Take it standing up week. Wow! <laughs> oh My God! I I'm, mean, I just
2: feel like this is sweet.
3: such a
0: vast, it, yeah, it's huge category. Maybe we should leave Friday up to the, the to listeners, the viewers, yeah, know.
2: the listeners, the viewers. I think that's a great idea, Steve. I think given the the vast, uh, vastness. I don't know how we
0: could reach a consensus. That I mean, there's just so many. Okay, you wonderful know,
2: but here, let's all we'll put it. We'll do a poll you know, on Twitter at uh, 430 Movie Podcast. But let's all say what we would pick for Friday, like just to help the viewers. Steve, real quick, what would your what would your book be?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Mosquito Coast. Mosquito Coast? Because I just thought of it. Darren Dockerman? I'd
2: have to go with Godfather. Um, I would go with um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory based on okay. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
3: And I'm going to go with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, (laughs) you're great.
2: great. And and uh, and and Bill will go with nine and a half weeks because he worked on that. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if that's true. We didn't even mention Born Identity.
3: Yeah, on the Fourth of July. Born Identity. Yeah.
2: So anyway, wow, this is a great show, and I think we'll probably end up revisiting this, right? So uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us at 4:30 Movie. If you're a fan. of this podcast. If you're not, thanks for joining us anyway. You might right. want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like Trek Treksperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life. Every Saturday, Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. Tuesdays, Best Movies Never Made, every other Monday. Should really do this in the order. Uh, and uh, Two on <laughs> Who, a new Doctor Who podcast. On Thursdays. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Brings Bye. attention to the show. Also, come see us at WonderCon. Ooh. We will be at WonderCon with an all-new theme week live.
0: Provided the coronavirus doesn't shut us. the whole thing down. <laughs> well,
2: there's that. And then also a very special thanks again to Bill Ritter, back behind the big board. Bill, what's your pick for this week? It's not nine half oh, weeks. What
0: is that my red? Clockwork Orange?
1: Yeah. yeah Clockwork oh, yeah. Oh, That's Andy great. Burgess. That's a great one.
2: Great pick. You're you're making us look bad. Nice choice. (laughs) Um, And then we also want to thank uh, the rest of the team. John who stepped in for Natalie Miscahli. We got Dylan back there, our post-production coordinator, and also uh, Peter Holmstrom, our uh, production associate. And we want to thank Dean Devlin, without whom this show would not be possible. Um, So thank you. Great show, great show. I thought it was a good episode. Got a lot of reading I would watch to do this week. Yeah, <laughs> always another great Ashley story. I'm always, you know, and also I thought, uh, you know, great two great stories Thank you. about uh, both uh, about your pick about
1: uh, oh, our, our <laughs> your oh pick. Yeah. Monday Monday is
0: uh, <laughs> Black Hawk Down, based on the book by Mark Bowden, movie by Ridley Scott.
1: Tuesday. Tuesday is another wonderful uh, book called Dr. Sleep. Wednesday.
3: Wednesday is a merchant in ivory joint called Remains of the Day, based on the book by Kazuo Ishiguro. And Thursday is Lolita, and
2: Friday it's viewer's choice. (laughs) So you make the call. You pick the winner. Yeah, so uh, check out 430. Also, go to Facebook Electric Surge, Electric Surge covers all the shows. We'll, we'll have, uh, you can, you know, let us know on Electric Surge on Facebook as well. Uh, there's also a 430 movie podcast page, but we'd rather you go to Electric Surge because you can find out about all the podcasts and we'll have stuff about uh, Picking Friday and then we can announce the winner on a future episode. Uh, not the winner, the, the show that we program on senses. Friday on our fantasy theme week, which doesn't really get programmed because there isn't really a 430 movie, but uh, don't tell anyone. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now.
0: This episode is brought to you by Millie Ways. If you've done six impossible things this morning, why not round it off with Breakfast at Millie Ways, the restaurant at the end of the universe.
2: This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.